My headphones are trying to... There we go. Yet another steady open. Well, they're <laughs> trying to twist a direction they're not supposed to twist, and they're like $100 headphones, and Probably I can't because I was stand. up until like 1 o'clock this morning. <laughs> I can't stand whenever it's... It's got one of those spiral cords that gives yeah. it all the extra length that, you know, like old telephone cords had, and I can't mm -hmm. stand whenever the spirals get kinked up and start turning the wrong direction, and the end was trying to do that just now. And My bad. These are... $100 headphones and I'm going to be a headphone snob. <laughs> I was feeling very manic last night and uh, it's like I'm going to make a new little intro song for the Two Star Tuesday. Didn't make it very far but I, I did play around with my garage band thing for like an hour and a half using Kristen's headphones last night. Neat. I don't care if you use them. I just I don't want the cord to get kinked up. Well I was just going to play it direct and then I was like I don't need to scare the shit out of Kristen while I dick around with these gunshot noises. No. <laughs> Build my little trap no. beat that I put at the bottom I'm of everything. I'm good on that. Yeah, I woke up and I couldn't hear the TV anymore, and I thought you had just passed out on the couch. <laughs> Came out here and I was like, oh. Yeah, he's, he's drunkenly working at 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Manic depression. Love you. I love you. And you know what today is? Yes. Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting Mistakes Were Made. And we bring you yet another edition of your Two Star Tuesday. Your two, two, two. And today we're here to talk about 2007's Murder Party. Yeah, uh, we picked it just based on how ridiculous the picture looked. <laughs> and I was expecting something way more ridiculous. It's an odd movie. It's very odd. I've grown um, an appreciation for it because I've been thinking about it a lot today. And I'm like, you know what? I, I can see now a bit more clearly. Yeah. It's a... Uh, it's interesting, mm -hmm. for sure. I, I don't know that I would watch it again. No. But it's a, it's a movie. <laughs> it is technically a film. <laughs> um, and it is actually technically just slightly above our requirements, too. Uh, kind of. <laughs> so <laughs> Unless you're going by the critics on Rotten Tomato, then it's a fucking blowout. We're not yeah. supposed to be doing this. Well, it's only six critic reviews, oh, though. Well, it's not like it a thousand be, yeah. people reviewed it as like the best movie ever. But um, on IMDb, it's got a 5.8, so that's Hell yeah. 0. 0.8 above what we would normally do. Um, Rotten Tomatoes critics gave it 100%. <laughs> Again, that's only six critics. Mm -hmm. um, and then the audience score is 57%. Um, I, I'm probably more in the 50% range. Yeah, I'd be right with you at about 50. Yeah, like it's a... Uh, I can see to some extent what they were trying to do. Yeah. Um, I'd watch it again if it was on. If I was at a Halloween party drinking with friends mm -hmm. and then it popped up, be like, dude, you guys have to see this. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are some interesting facts about the making of this movie, not so much the individual people, which is going to yeah. carry us into our first topic, but I guess we'll, we'll head on into it. Uh, the director... Choo-choo, motherfucker. Writer, yeah, Jax is behind me. Is that oh, his it's choo choo as in the train is leaving the station. But oh, I feel like the conductor is distracted. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jax is chewing his bone right behind my foot, and I can feel the floor vibrating beneath me. But anyway, uh, the director, writer, and cinematographer are all the same person. Hell it's yeah, Jeremy Solner. I'm gonna, I know he did Green Room, and that's about it. 
I don't know what Green Room is. But Me either, but it I know it's it Patrick Swayze in it. Oh, is it? No, not Patrick. Who's the dude who was in Star Trek? The bald guy who was in X-Men. Oh. Um, is that Patrick Swayze? No, <laughs> Patrick Swayze Patrick. was in Roadhouse? <laughs> yeah. Uh, his name is Patrick, but it's not. I don't know his last name offhand. Wow. I don't know. It's gone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, the, the, the image of Patrick Swayze <laughs> and his fucking Dr. Octavius or whoever the fuck he played in X-Men. <laughs> Octavius was Spider-Man. I'm yeah, falling he's apart. Yeah, uh, he's Xavier. <laughs> the next he's the main dude. Um, that guy's in a different movie. Never mind. Yeah. We digress. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he did all three, and initially I was going to shit on that, but we'll get into why here yeah. shortly. Uh, the budget for this movie was one hundred and ninety to 230000 Yeah. Um, I read... Which is low end for something that looks as good as this did. Very low end. And I got the impression from an article I read earlier while I was at work that he basically fronted the money for this. Mm -hmm. Um, it's only premiered in like a handful of theaters and then basically dropped off immediately afterwards. And, um, I I guess he did another movie, not... Yeah. Or no, he, that's what Before Green Room. Um, so he didn't make any money back from this because mm-hmm. it just didn't go anywhere. So he apparently went back to whatever his day job was yeah. and then uh, saved up money for whatever his next film was. And the next film was, I guess, apparently quite a bit darker and taken more seriously. Mm-hmm. And so he was kind of embarrassed by this one, according to the article. I, was I want the kind, kind of day job where I can come up with six figures that quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, he he kind of pushed this one off to the side and didn't really talk about this one anymore and it kind of on its own found a cult following and that's what's up kind of became a cult classic all by its lonesome uh and i'm assuming since maybe he's made some of his money back it's on netflix right now so um my deal with netflix would be like here's my bottom dollar how close can you get to me not losing money on this thing (laughs) but i do not have any interesting facts about our writer, director, cinematographer, because he has a very small list of work Mm -hmm. and he has written, directed, and shot a lot of his own films. (laughs) So he is an independent filmmaker If anything, he should be our role model. (laughs) He's kicking ass out there. Um, Yeah, I I don't have what they earned either, unfortunately, because it, from the article, just kind of made it seem like they just... It premiered at Slamdance and that's about it. Yeah, seemed like they really just did not earn their money back so um jump into characters you want to read those for me yeah we can where are they uh on the next page (laughs) um and i didn't i i only looked at the first couple of actors i didn't look at all of them but i got the impression for the most part these were all just people maybe he knew because several of them had worked in his other films if you go down here to the next session the lab of madness that's exactly what it is they're they're a production team and a lot of the people that were in this production wound up having to do a lot of the behind the camera stuff as well so when they weren't on screen they're holding the boom mic or you know whatever they have to do there so these aren't you know a-list actors they haven't really done a whole lot of other stuff they've done a lot together though yeah it said uh their first films were made in the sixth grade including uh was made in the sixth grade and was titled mega cop uh they did uh school assignments as video projects so their vast filmography includes interpretation of classical works such as Macbeth and beowulf after high school all went to various film schools and kept in touch that's according to the Wikipedia article on the Lab of Madness, which is their production company. Just apparently. kind of hilarious that they're all pretentious art students in this movie. Because 
They might have been slightly pretentious art students in school back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going into characters? Yeah. Uh, so our first person that we've got is Chris Sharp. He plays Chris Howley. Uh, that's our MC, and you are going to find, as Brett reads on, a lot of the actors are the same names as the characters, so they <laughs> basically just name these characters after the actors. Yep. Sandy Barnett plays Alexander slash Tim. Uh, slash Tim. I think his first name is Tim. I think he goes by Alexander. Oh. He is Tim the Fry Cook, but they <laughs> all think he is Alexander I've the gotcha. dude with all the grant money. Turns out he is just the fry cook. And then you've got Macon Blair, plays Macon. He's <laughs> our werewolf character. Uh, Paul Goldblatt as Paul. I'm seeing a trend here. <laughs> uh, he's our other vampire character who um, Alexander makes him take off his clothes because he doesn't appreciate the fact that he looks cooler as a vampire. <laughs> then you've got William Lacey as Bill, which is short for William. <laughs> um, so I don't know what this is, but according to, um, I think I found it on Wikipedia, his costume is a baseball fury, and it's from the movie The Warriors. You've seen The Warriors? I have the not. The Warriors come out and play. I have not. It is a cult classic 70s film, if I'm remembering correctly. I want to say late 70s, about... Um, these various street gangs in New York City who beat the shit out of each other on the subway stations and they have like fights back and forth that never involve guns. Do they wear face paint? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. The, there's a baseball team and then there's the Warriors who are all like a ragtag, more like um, Golden Pony Boy or, you know, Stay mm -hmm. Golden Pony Boy. Like that, that kind gotcha. of group is more like the Warriors group. But they're a bunch of different sects, kind of like in Clockwork Orange where the different gangs had a different theme. Gotcha. But no, yeah, I have not seen that. The baseball team is a is a big <laughs> team in that game. Um, then you've got Stacy Rock. She plays Lexi. Oh, I don't know why I said it like a strip club announcer. <laughs> Lexi coming up on stage. One of our only characters who is not named after herself. Um, you thought she was playing Marilyn Manson or dresses Marilyn Manson. Oh, I thought she was doing the Ziggy, Star Ziggy Stardust or Mechanical Animals. Yeah. You know, uh, apparently those are both wrong. She is Pris <laughs> from Blade Runner. Huh. I don't know if that's the new Blade Runner, the old... Oh, wait, I guess this came out in 2007, so it'd have to probably be the old Blade Runner. I don't think the new one came out that recent or that long ago. Um... I have not seen Blade Runner in a hot minute, though, so I do not remember <laughs> Is that, that the character. Wesley Snipes vampire I'm guy? assuming it's got to be that one. They've, re and they've remade Blade Runner, but I don't think it was as long ago no, as 2007. the one I'm thinking of is just Blade. Oh, so yes. So I have no idea what Blade Runner is. Maybe I was thinking of Blade <laughs> I don't know. I'm bad at movies today. So, then you have Sky Solnier. I believe I'm saying that correctly. Guess what her name is? Sky. She has the same name as the... Dude, I wonder if they're married. His name's Jeremy Solnier. I wonder if they're either siblings that or married. That makes sense. And she plays a zombie, which is also awesome, because uh, you might not know this, but Cherry Moon Zombie and Rob Zombie are married. Cherry Moon plays all of his female leads. <laughs> uh, she's a zombie cheerleader, and very briefly in this movie. <laughs> then you've got Bill Tangredi. Grady Tangredi. He plays Zyko, which is an awesome fucking name. <laughs> Very similar to Psycho. Yeah. I'm assuming that's on purpose. That's why I said it was cool, man. <laughs> uh, he's the drug dealer character. The Russian guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get the crank. Puff Snooty as Sir Lancelot. 
The cat's real name is Puff Snooty. I didn't even read that. So that's our cat character. <laughs> Much Puff. like Jax is our best boy in all of our films, including the up and coming and probably released at the time of this episode, Brainstorm. Mm. Um, Barrel, my next pet, Puff Snooty. <laughs> Beryl Gusseri uh, as photo assistant. Yeah, it's the girl that uh, comes to help out uh, Paul. And then Bo Sai, I'm going to call it Sai, uh, as Cicero. Um, he's the guy that they keep mentioning that's throwing the party at the other place, and we see him towards the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, he's doing the big art The exhibit murder exhibit party. thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of characters in this. Um, honestly, the easiest way to remember them will probably be how they died or by their costumes instead of their names. Because... <laughs> I would not have remembered any of their names whatsoever. Yeah. So where do you want to kick off? What are we doing? Uh, do a brief synopsis if we can. Okay. Um, so Chris is, or Christopher, our main character, is, for what brief moment we get to see him, a very lonely character. He lives in just a shitty run-down yeah. neighborhood all by his lonesome with his cat. So and Candy lot. Corn, which you established was not... Garbage. It's not acceptable. <laughs> um, and so he coincidentally finds an invitation blowing down the street that he steps on, picks it up, reads it, and decides because his cat won't get out of his chair, he's going to go to what is dubbed a murder party. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it says come alone. Uh, yeah. I don't know who on God's green earth sees a random invitation blowing down the street called murder party come alone. Me, if I'd been goes. walking back from the bar. <laughs> I think the most bizarre thing for me about this, though, is so like... I'd assume it's like one of those murder dinner parties where, like, it's play the game, you know? Instead of your... Actually you're gonna get victim. murdered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the bizarre thing for me about this, though, is he has to print out, like, a Google Maps thing for it. And he's walking... He, like, he takes the train, and then he's walking for, like, a long-ass ways. And, like, how did the invitation just randomly end up blowing down the street where he's at? <laughs> Be a leaf blower, but we'll get there later. Then anyway, yeah. So, uh, he, yeah, goes a long, long ways to get to this party. Um, turns out these are a whole bunch of art students who want to kill him in an artistic way so that they can get grant money. From Alexander. Yeah. And, uh, that's basically the premise of the movie. They're trying to decide how to kill him, and they keep accidentally killing themselves off <laughs> until he inevitably goes home in his sad, lonely little night costume covered in blood and hangs out with his cat which and finally gets off his chair if uh there's one takeaway from this movie i'm gonna go ahead and give it now uh be an introvert stay home with your cat stay home with your cat pet your pussy don't get murdered <laughs> <laughs> um and i really did not care for this movie in the first 15 20 minutes i'll really? be honest it drug getting to the setup of the party um I think it picks up after we kind of get into it. I liked it in the first 15 because it kind of reminded me of like Shaun of the Dead, you know, like that kind of, it's going to be kind of a quirky, you know, mm. English style dry comedy type thing. I thought that's what we were doing there. And I think what bothered me about it is like the cover photo for the Netflix, um, you know, like selection mm -hmm. looks so ridiculous and the description sounds kind of ridiculous. And granted, we didn't watch a trailer. Maybe I should have watched a trailer, and that would have been a giveaway. But um, it seems like it's going to be Shaun of the Dead-like level quirky fun. Yeah. And 
it's a lot darker. It was it than was that. a lot darker than I expected. I I kind of liked that though. After I after like the very first kill, it's like oh, this is the kind of fun we're having. Mm-hmm. She eats the raisin bread that he's brought to the party to be you know homely to these people. Um, and then eats a face full of machinery and stands back up and then and is bleeding bleeds to an death absurd and dies. Of blood. <laughs> yeah, like, she says, "I smell grass" or something like that, and then just kills over. Um, and I guess we'll skip to my second point since we've already kind of jumped into this a bit. Okay. I I don't know. I don't watch a ton of dark comedies. I guess so. Maybe for me that just threw me off because yeah. maybe I'm not as familiar with the genre genre um, it can be complicated yeah like we I think we've only watched one episode maybe or two um, Happy yeah we've recently yeah. started watching the TV show Happy um, you have shown me the TV show for um, Ash versus Ash versus the Evil, the evil Dead yeah the Evil yeah. Dead um, I feel like maybe we've watched one or two other dark comedies together that I'm just not thinking. Is of that at what the you moment. meant by the Evil Dead? Because yeah, I was the, thinking I, when you wrote it down, I thought you meant the original film, and yeah, I was like, the original's it. pretty fucked up. But number two and three are the Army of Darkness movies mm-hmm. are hilarious. But yeah, so that's like, where he's got. This is my fist full of boomstick, and he's got a shotgun in one hand and a chainsaw in the <laughs> other. Yeah. yeah. So like in the TV show, like he does put the chainsaw on his arm, mm-hmm. and and Happy, the whole premise is. Or from what we've watched, anyway, he sees like his daughter's imaginary floating friend running around, yeah. and he's kind of a little convinced maybe he's insane or he's just drunk or whatever, and he injects himself with morphine and all this crazy mm-hmm. stuff, and it's like so over the top absurd that when you get to the dark moments where he's smashing someone's face in with like an IV pole, that it's like oh, like yeah. of course that was coming, you know. And with this one, the first death of um. Our zombie cheerleader, Sky. Um, yeah, like Brett said, she eats a loaf of bread, which is so silly. She's <laughs> allergic to specifically non-organic raisins, and well, that pretentious <laughs> fucking California yeah. cunt shit. <laughs> and that that part was funny. So I was like, oh, that's absurd. I thought she was just gonna like suffocate and yeah. choke out and die. And she's like, oh, it's not a big deal. I just get a little bit dizzy, and then falls over and clunks her head on something metal and then aggressively starts bleeding out and I was like, oh god. Like, I didn't, like, I didn't see that coming. Okay. So, like, I, I don't know. Like, is that... Are you more familiar with dark comedy? I'm not very common? familiar with horror dark comedy. Yeah. I'm, I'm very familiar with dark comedy. You mm-hmm. know, like the shit that's so fucked up that you're not supposed to laugh at. One of my favorite films that I, I rarely discuss because it had like a two-week theater run. I don't know where my DVD went and nobody that I've ever talked to remembers it is Hamlet 2. It's one of my favorite dark comedies of all time because it's about a guy who they're closing down the art programs at the high school or college that he teaches the high school that he teaches at in uh, Arizona uh, he's got he's like on his fifth DUI so like he has to rollerblade across town in Arizona it's like his character quirk his wife's cheating on him like he, he lives in a world of shit and then they close down his art program so in order to come up with money for his art program um, to keep it in line against a failing football program that the county thinks that it needs opposed to the drama section um, 
he gets a ragtag gang of, like, almost literally a gang of fucking juvenile delinquents. He writes a sequel to Hamlet because he doesn't feel that everybody had to die at the end of Hamlet. And <laughs> I had a t-shirt for a very long time that said, Rock Me Sexy Jesus, which is the musical number for Hamlet, too. <laughs> I, I, I love dark comedy, but to be honest with you, outside of Scream, like, I'm really not familiar with... Would you classify Scream as a dark comedy? purely because of Craven's intent to fuck with the genre. It's so cleverly done that if you're not really sure that you know what he's doing or you're not familiar with the genre as a whole, you might not catch the jokes. But yeah, she's popping popcorn. You know? yeah. <laughs> I guess like scary movie to me is not a dark comedy. Like it, no, it's, it's just, just a comedy goofy. about Scream, yeah, but Scream would be in my book. I would say book. that's a parody. Yeah. I don't know. I've never thought of Scream that way, I guess. That's interesting. Because, yeah, I, I mean, I guess to that end, it would have to be a very clever dark comedy. Because, yeah, if you're not familiar with where he's poking All fun, he's then doing it's just is a jokes. slasher. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, with this one, like, there's some very obvious moments where they're poking fun. Like, the whole section that you really liked where they're sitting around in a circle talking about how to kill, how him. kill him yeah like and they can't agree and everybody's trying to upshoot everybody it reminded me of a writer's room because mm -hmm. you and i we met basically in a writer's room and i've had minimal experience i don't want to sound like i'm the guy to come to with advice with trying to run a group full of writers but i did for four years in college I was in writer's rooms, basically. All my courses were sitting around with other writers trying to punch things, mm -hmm. you know, in the right direction. And it's like playing a game of volleyball, but there's no teams and everybody's just spiking that shit into your nose. That's <laughs> what it feels like a lot of the time when you're working on something as a collective. And I've, I've really enjoyed that scene. Yeah, and that scene to me does feel very comical and like they're kind of poking fun at artists in general yeah. because... All oh, of, what? You're going to stab him to death? Well, no, yeah, all of the other artists are trying to, like, one-up each other, and then it comes back around to Alexander, and he's like, we're going to wait till the witching hour, and I'll take turns stabbing him. And it's, like, the most cliche answer of them all, and he's, like, the person they idolize. Yeah. It's literally that classic story about the train, where who's guilty, who murdered the guy, he's been stabbed 170 times, I can't remember the name of the, the novel right now. Um... But at the very end of the book, you find out that he wasn't murdered by one psychopath. He was stabbed individually by everybody on the train. So it, it, even that joke inside of a joke is a classic trope to a thing that I can't remember right now. Yeah. And, like... The... Was, yeah. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Do you want to... Oh, I didn't... I no, didn't I was, was going to try to make a joke about the title of a thing. Oh. And then I was like, it's the murder on Pelham 123. And I was like, no, it's a... John Travolta film. <laughs> <laughs> um, Murder on the Midnight Express. There you go. Um, and there, there's a lot of, like, stuff in this that's kind of silly. Like, whenever um, the photographer guy, Paul, gets shot in the head, he's more concerned about the fact that people are interrupting his picture he's trying to yeah. take. Um, that's right, he gets hit and he doesn't even notice yeah. it. He's like, yeah. really? <laughs> He's like, I'm just trying to take a picture. <laughs> and, like, stuff like that to me is, like, funny, but it happens so infrequently that, like, the rest of it, I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of a heavy movie, really. Yeah. Like, um, 
the, the death scenes are all a little graphic. Like, we legit see uh, Bill, no, or not Bill, um, oh, yeah, I guess it is Bill, um, gets saw, chainsawed in the face at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, several of the actors get either chainsawed or axed or burned alive or, you well, know, Well, he didn't this... get, not only burned alive, his mask melted to his face. Yeah. So we get, like, this revisit homage to um, an American werewolf in London where he, like, pulls it back and he's just horrifically, you know, melted. Yeah, and it's kind of, to that end, for this being a lower-budget movie, like, graphic special effects, like, they did a recent, pretty decent job on, like, the few times that they yeah. kind of went in hard and... Well, again, I don't want to interrupt, but again, from my Wikipedia page, much of the planned special effects had to be compromised due to budget constraints, but because of this, a lot more focus was put on few individual effects. Yeah, and like, to be honest, they kind of nailed the fuck out of it. (laughs) Yeah, nailed the ones that they did, and so like, you get these really violent images of people being murdered, like he chops the drug dealer's leg off and even when the dude's crawling back in after the dog has attacked him we don't show the dog attack on screen but his face looks all mutilated and so there's a lot of like gore in that sense and then but the dog's on crystal meth which is (laughs) fucking hilarious I I am very curious what the dog was actually eating because the dog's eating some kind of power (laughs) so I'm very curious what they gave the dog that was safe for the dog to eat because that would have had to have been something they researched Yeah. so I'm just if you know what the dog was eating in that scene, write us an email. <laughs> um, and then, like, they're passing around all these drugs. They're doing coke. They're shooting up drugs, like, all this crazy stuff. And, like, divulging really dark secrets with each other. Oh. Like, the one dude talking about being bisexual or the other dude fantasizing about the girl. Um, the dude being a fraud that's been manipulating these people. So there's, like, all these really dark things. Yeah, and, like, but they cut away from a lot of that to... Alexander fucking oh, at yeah. first a girl and then a dude, which yeah. is <laughs> in the window in the back, and that stuff is hilarious. But I just all like, while they're waiting on the pizza, like it's funny. <laughs> oh, that scene where they couldn't agree on what they were gonna eat too. Yeah. That reminded me of that. <laughs> I feel like Chinese food. I'm just so over Chinese food. Yeah, it's like welcome to a film set. <laughs> pizza with sausage, no meat. <laughs> That was actually really funny. But there's so few moments like that, I'm, like, hesitant to call it a comedy. Mm -hmm. Like, it felt... I don't know. Uh, The comedy felt out of place. Like, it didn't feel like the comedy was there to break the tension, which is typically what would happen in a dark comedy, is you would, you know, slide a joke in there right after a big scare or right before Mm -hmm. to just kind of, you know, alleviate the audience and then shock them or shock them and then be like, okay, we're coming back down. We'll build you back up. But this kind of felt like the humor was randomly sprinkled throughout the entire thing. And it it didn't seem to have a sense or purpose. Like, it was funny when he walks out after he, you know, chainsaws that dude in the fucking face. And then he's like, no, it's a real murder. And they are all enamored of this beautiful artistic adventure. And he takes the phone and dials 911 and then just hands him back the phone. (laughs) I do feel like because of that, though, like, I don't... I don't know. What's your general thought on the movie? Like, for me, I feel like... I think I need to watch it again. Really? Like, I feel like there was a lot of heavy shit happening, and then one too many scenes of us just kind of walking. So, like, the opening sequence is a lot of him walking to get to this party that I didn't really need, and then there's a lot of shots of the werewolf dude just chasing after them with the chainsaw, just so we have that moment where he falls off the balcony. 
Yeah. So that seemed kind of anti- the electric chainsaw that he needed an outlet for. Yeah. <laughs> so that seemed kind of anticlimactic for me, um, even though the whole sequence where uh, our main character gets away for a minute and they're all chasing him yeah. down, that that part's pretty funny. And then the fact that the chainsaw comes unplugged, so <laughs> he can't chainsaw him, is pretty funny. But like, I feel like the humor wasn't intentional enough, so that the end of the movie just kind of feels like anticlimactic. Like he just goes home and sits down and yeah, the cat there's no gives real the payoff. Chair. There's yeah. a hell of a climax, but it only feels one sided. But yeah. I'm <laughs> it's like, I don't like, I don't, I'm not as familiar with dark comedies. I don't know what the solution to that is. Cause mm-hmm. there are moments where I'm like, Oh, it's pretty clever. And then there are moments where I'm like, what are we doing right now? Yeah. Like, I don't, a, like a proper dark comedy needs to feel like an Anthony Jeselnik set, where it's like, oh, that was super uncomfortable, but god damn it, that was hilarious. You know, yeah. like, like Zombieland type, maybe. Like I almost feel like I need like a punchline at the end or mm-hmm. something. You know, like there needs to be, yeah, like you, like you said, almost like it's a joke. Like there needs to be a closer, yeah. and there was not. Very misdirected in its humor. Very on point in its violence. I I, I fucking loved that. Nailed the effects they did yeah for practical effects as well which my argument is forever full forever for practical effects they would have blown their budget way out of the water trying to get that chainsaw to stick in that guy's head if they weren't forced to work within you know a certain budget area i'm curious how they did that sequence like because we maybe do they actually killed that guy no, they didn't. <laughs> we do very clearly see a chainsaw like embedded in the forefront. Yeah, yeah, so I, I am curious how they would have done that. Because we hold on that for a minute, him trying mm-hmm. to push it into his skull, and he's like, oh god, it's so gross. <laughs> huh. Because, like, some of their more simple effects, like, they legit, and I assumed when we were watching it, it was real. Um, when they inject each other with the needles, like, every time you see yeah. the needle up close going into the skin, that actually happened. They were using actual hypodermic needles that had saline in them. Yeah. And shooting them into their skin, I guess, because they Typically, couldn't. you would use, like, a fake needle. Well, the way that we did it, and the thing that you guys haven't seen, so I don't know why I'm bringing it up, is we had the actor, he was shooting heroin. We had a prosthetic, you know, um, what, what do you call him? Yeah, like a, a wax prosthetic right mm-hmm. there in his arm so that he was shooting into that. Yeah. Um, and but like no, ours were blunt needles. Ours weren't even, like... Needles yeah, ours could. were prop needles. Yeah. Yeah, for real. But these guys used actual hypodermic needles, which even cuts out the bullshit of having to get a hold of the more expensive blunt needle or, you know, the retractable. Those are expensive. That's what I wanted to do. But it was like 150 bucks, wasn't it? Well, the one I wanted that, like, actually looks, like, really real, and I think you could even put liquid in it, and the liquid did, would disappear, was like $300. It was yeah. crazy expensive. So, yeah. Whereas prop. you can get a hypodermic needle for, like, 50 cents. <laughs> so, yeah, like, props for stuff like that is crazy expensive. I personally am not going to ask an actor to inject themselves with a needle, even if it's full of saline, but, uh... Yeah, we found our own workaround. I uh, took a special effects makeup class for a couple of years, and we did um, like a fake wax skin yeah. over his actual arm. But I'm fucking impressed that they went that far. Like they had their friends, which I'm assuming these people all, like you said, had been working together for a while, had to have been pretty close with each other. Like shot themselves up with actual needles. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Maybe the dog ate actual crank. God fucking know. <laughs> no. It was probably 
I don't know. I don't know what you can safely give dogs in a powder form, to be honest. I don't know either. But like, they use the practical effects even like in the more boring scene, like at the where he gets the invitation. That was a leaf blower, so they just had a guy with a leaf blower off camera. I guess I missed that. <clears throat> Did you read that somewhere? Yeah, I've read like oh. five articles about this movie today. <laughs> um, but he was using a leaf blower to blow the little invitation down the sidewalk directly at him. So like they. They didn't just, like, skip it across the floor, throw it. They were able to get some sort of gust of wind. Mm -hmm. Um, Very easy, because, like, you can just walk down the street and be like, hey, we're filming a thing real quick. Do you have a leaf blower that we could borrow for, like, five minutes? (laughs) (laughs) Or, like, with us, we knew somebody who owned a chainsaw, so we were like, we're just going to borrow this. I worked at a pawn shop. I was like, hey, boss, we got ten of these. Can I steal one? (laughs) (laughs) And it's crazy with stuff like that how much effort goes into it that you don't really realize. Like, we have a shot in the dolls where there's blood creeping across the carpet, and um, we were shooting on top of an actual carpeted floor, and we didn't want to damage the carpet, so we had to get um, plastic to go under the -hmm. carpet that was big enough to go all the way around out the door so she could run out the door and still be walking on the plastic because there's going to be fake blood on her feet. Brett had to hunt down fake carpet for us. I I went to Lowe's to buy a small swath, and then I talked to this teenage kid who worked in the carpeting section, and I was like, hey, do you have any samples? And he just gave me sample carpet that we could use for the film. So ask around. You might get free shit. But we had to... If you're looking for something, try to figure out where the teenager's in charge and go there. (laughs) (laughs) But we had to... So we had to put down the plastic and had to put down the fake carpet on top of it and had to, like I said, account for plastic wrapping around out the door so she had room to run and not get blood on the actual carpet as she was running. And then you only get one shot at that because after you've poured blood onto the carpet, it's not like you can redo that take. Yeah. I would have had to have, we like... we only had that one sample carpet. Yeah, I would have had to have, like, tried to take that home and shampoo it out and save that for another shoot day if we didn't get it right. So we did a sample on, like, a tiny corner of the carpet that was out of the shot and realized the blood wasn't going to run on its own. Yeah. Um, so we had to, like physically subtly off screen tilt the carpet up so it would run down the carpet (laughs) so i mean like you don't realize how much like thought has to go into that shit and like they for the most part crushed this stuff like i would love to take a visual effects course i've I've told you forever i probably from the first early conversations on this show i would love to figure out how one makes like a severed arm like to me mm. that's really cool like if i could figure out how to do that i might give up on writing you know? <laughs> i do love special it's effects like, I this like is a to... decapitated head i made today i love it <laughs> once we have like a proper a studio like, house shit. with yeah like a, a garage and we have like a office and stuff again i would like to have a section in the garage for stuff like that because I, I do love good special effects mm-hmm. um and i guess for me that kind of begs the question here i don't i don't think this movie was really honestly a great movie yeah um well it's a cult classic yeah so it's got its kinks i probably even if it was on would not watch it again i did not personally super super care for it it definitely had some moments where i was like oh that's you know interesting or that's clever or that's funny but it begs the question for me when you care that much about the work that you're creating, even if the work that you end up with isn't, you know, fantastic, Mm -hmm. does it show? And does it matter more to your audience that you put in that much work versus, like, some of the 
B horror films that we watched yeah. for the two stars where you can tell somebody threw yeah, the some five million dollar yeah, budget and you still fucked it up. Yeah, somebody yeah. threw some money at them and they still just did not really get it right. And like with this movie, the acting isn't fantastic, the movie isn't fantastic, the special effects are on point for how low the budget was, but you can tell they tried really hard. Yeah. And does that make a difference? It did for me, especially after reading the articles today. Because the way that it's shot, I would imagine that it had a serious budget behind it and that it flopped. And then mm-hmm. when I find out, it was about 190 um, And that he self-funded it. And that he pulled it by his own and that these guys are friends. It, it changed the way I looked at it. it. It gave me a little bit of a softening, I guess, in the way that I, I viewed it. Because mm-hmm. Kristen and I... Uh, frequently make films that cost us roughly $25 (laughs) (laughs) outside of the equipment that we're using. Some Um, of them probably qualify as two stars. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) You know, but you're learning a thing, you know, you're still figuring it out. And in a lot of the articles that I read, and as we said at the beginning, neither one of us have seen green room or the green room. Um, they were saying you get early shots of this guy's, direction style and writing style in this film Mm -hmm. you could see the early things where apparently most of his characters are people that are thrust into an insane situation they're forced to like violently flail their way through it um they're not bad people they're just everyday people so this was a, a critical building block for him yeah as a as a writer and as a director and I can respect the shit out of that. And I like the complexity of the main character here where um, he is basically a nobody that's living this lonely, boring life. And he just goes... Or an everybody. Yeah, or an <laughs> everybody. Um, and he just goes to this party because he's got nothing better to do. And he's like, oh, it'd be nice to be around people. And then he very quickly finds out they're going to murder him. They don't even <laughs> they don't even try to like warm up to him at all. And then they accidentally, because the imposter dude alexander decides to put it off till the witching hour they accidentally kind of warm up to him as the movie goes on Mm -hmm. and have this heart to heart where they've taken this quote-unquote truth serum and he basically admits you know nobody would miss him if he was gone and i feel like some of the characters start to sympathize with him and then um that's when they start to pull away from killing him and lean toward killing each other yeah and then lexi like actually like unlocks his chains and tries to set him free so like that's kind of a compelling moment for me where yeah this dude that is kind of this loser character gets thrown into this extraordinary situation realizes he's kind of a loser character and he doesn't have much to live for but these other characters still sympathize with him on that level and he in the end kind of claws his way back out of it and he's a smart horror victim Mm -hmm. you know like he's not an idiot he's been watching these vhs tapes that he has with his cat of old horror movies he's eating his candy corn except for the moment where he busts out of that closet to go pee well no he throws stuff at him whenever they're still like all in that (laughs) instead of spraying them with the fire extinguisher he just throws it and then tries to run away I'm like, why didn't you, like, blind them? But, like, he doesn't make, like, a dumbass, you know, walk into the dark room Mm -hmm. very slowly decision. Like, he makes human decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, My favorite thing about his character and maybe the writing of the film all in all is that by... You take this guy that we really barely know. You know, we, we don't know him from fucking Adam. 
you thrust him into a crazy situation, thereby thrusting the audience into a crazy situation. And then you gag your audience and your main character. You strap him to a chair. And that's our narrator. We are all watching this. So there's a connection, I think, between the audience on their couches who can't say anything to change the result and his character. Yeah. You know, he is watching this madness alongside you. And he's the main, you know. It feels at times that Alexander or Lexi is the the main character, but that's your dude, Chris. (laughs) You are Chris in this film. And I I do appreciate the realistically human moments where, like, he's going up the little conveyor belt and he waits to the top (laughs) to, like, push the other dude back down. I'm like, yeah, dude. Get after it, son. (laughs) Or like the moment where he like has the dog find the body, he's like, I'm just gonna unclip this, you know, like throw off the scent a bit, so they're more interested in the dead body over there. Which is hilarious to me that they hide the zombie cheerleader's body in the freezer because they're embarrassed that Alexander will find out that they fucked up instead of like, oh shit, we killed our friend. They're like, fuck, he's gonna think we're idiots. He's gonna think we're idiots. We're never gonna get that grant money. <laughs> Uh, what's this you got here? Uh, bullying and manipulation. Um. So the like again, like whenever we were talking earlier about the fact that this is a fairly dark movie, so they have that moment where they take the truth serum and they're all sitting in the circle and like some of the jokes are kind of or some of the truths that they tell are kind of lighthearted, but then the one dude's like, "Ask me any question, I can lie." Yeah. And she's like, "What's your favorite color?" And he goes, "I'm bisexual." <laughs> and, um, Is that the drunk guy who lights, lights himself on fire? No, that's uh Paul, the photographer dude that was oh, dressed oh, as a vampire. Okay. So that's the one he fucks yeah, yeah, later. Yeah. Um, and then the drunk vampire dude like admits his obsession with the girl that clearly does not like him back that way, and then like we have this really intense moment with a uh, baseball man. baseball dude <laughs> where he steps out of the room for a moment to go check on the dog and you can tell he's already like in a place because he's sitting there in front of the dog being like i hate you you're stupid yeah. i kill you you know and his quote-unquote friends are inside mocking his art and when they're doing the little truths in the mm-hmm. circle they admit that they're going to kick him out of their little group because He's so talented, and they, they're jealous they can't keep up, and the truth is they think he's a joke. And he yeah. comes back in and hears that, and he fucking snaps his shit and goes on this murder rampage. And then you have Alexander's character, who is a nobody, who's manipulating all these people. He's conned all of these people into thinking he's a somebody just yeah. by, like, his demeanor and... You know, the way that he dresses and the way that he treats them. And he's literally yeah. just a fry cook that's, like, trying to scam them so he can steal well, we, their art. We know a lot of pretentious big men who are actually, like, bastards and lazy as fuck. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, like, that's kind of a... I mean, like, they poke fun at it for sure, but that's kind of a dark theme. Like, you have this character who's basically the school shooter that's like on the verge of snapping and he gets pushed too far and goes on this rampage and just starts blindly killing people he goes into that art exhibit at the end of the movie and kills everybody just because cicero says in passing oh is alexander coming i'm trying to get a grant and he's like fuck it you all have to die like you're all miserable (laughs) human beings Yeah. yeah and so you get that rage yeah that level of rage that comes with like Mm -hmm. school shooting type movies and legit school shootings and you have these 
other people in his life that he thought were his friends that are just like beating him down and then this one holy grail figure that they all look up to who's just using them all as pawns to make himself more successful so it's a yeah, really he wanted to kill all of them and steal, steal their, their art, art. Yeah. yeah and it's a really dark concept underneath yeah. and what do you think was meant by that I don't know. Like, I, like I wonder if this movie... Like, is his character the anti-hero? Where it's like, fuck you, Alexander. I'm not going to hurt the viewer, but I'm going to kill every other motherfucker here. <laughs> like, I, I wonder, honestly, if this movie really wholly had itself figured out. Like, it feels like there are moments where it's, like, poking fun of these mm. pretentious, exclusive people. So, like, there's, like, a moment when we're kind of having that round of, like, realizing, oh, these are all, like art snobs that really aren't particularly talented there's this moment where you kind of feel like oh we're poking fun at those people that are like high on their horse when they really don't have a reason to be yeah and alexander to me is kind of like the head idiot that's up there (laughs) filling himself whenever he's really the biggest idiot of them all so like it kind of like for a brief moment in the movie gets that like hey stop taking yourself so seriously like we do this because we love it and not because we're better than everybody mm. else or, you know, for the money or whatever. But, like, it kind of, to me, loses its message and just kind of becomes about our main character getting away and that's it. And that's why I feel like the ending is so anticlimactic because all of these douchebag people die off and maybe there's some, like, yay and that. But then our main character goes home completely unchanged, sits down on the couch. Covered in blood. Yeah, and watches TV with his cat. And, like, yeah, at the end of the movie, his cat willingly gets up out of the chair for him, where at the beginning of the movie, his cat wouldn't. But what change really is that? Yeah. Like, symbolic of him finding some strength in himself, but that has nothing to do with the Or just enjoying another night of watching a shitty horror film. (laughs) So, like, I I don't know really if this movie knew what its message was. I don't know. And that's why I say I'd I'd like to watch it again, like, maybe a year from now, you know, and and see if it makes sense on second viewing, knowing how it's all going to turn out. I I loved the climax. I loved that final art scene. There were... there were moments in this film that I completely fucking adored, and I can't take anything away from it, especially after reading the articles. Mm-hmm. I've got nothing but fucking respect, but I, I. But for me, I feel like that final scene where uh, our baseball character snaps and goes in there and slaughters the live actors for the art display, <laughs> and then our main character comes out at the end covered in blood, and he's like basically like you're all idiots it's real and then you see like this crowd of people that have been in waiting walking in going oh it's so fascinating it's so beautiful like yeah to me that's that that punchy. should be the point yeah mm-hmm. like that's like the final message do you think so we, the fact that we do you go think back we home, cut the camera there where like he hits 911 he hands it off he walks out at the door and maybe. then you, you you skip the long walk home you don't need that maybe just cut to him asking the cat or do we need the cat in the clothes at all? We just end on like that rock and roll moment at the end of the movie where he dials 911, hands it off, and walks out. Maybe, yeah. I, I don't know for sure without watching it that way if I would feel satisfied by that ending either. I definitely think we don't need the long walk home. We see him 
trying to get on the well, train he lost without his, his wallet, wallet for yeah. no reason. <laughs> like that that that's a pointless scene to me. So he was trying to get home, but he's left his wallet behind in the yeah murders and stuff. Yeah, and that seems kind of pointless without implying that like the police find his wallet later or something. You know, yeah, like which they would do, which yeah. is an ending in and of itself. Yeah, so like I. Maybe the ending is after the art exhibit. Like, he's basically like, you're all idiots. Like, I'm out of here, you know? <laughs> like, I, I don't feel like other than I like cats and the cat's cute. The cat's really relevant to the story. Yeah. Mrs. Puffy McPuff Face or whatever her name is. Uh, Puffy Snooty. Puff Snooty. <laughs> yeah, he could have literally just gone to the party because he's a lonely guy. It doesn't matter that his cat doesn't respect him either. Like, he could have just gone to the party because he's lonely. So. He earned his cat's respect. But that's a very small point. To <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Or where would you end it? I I feel like maybe yeah. After the I art think I pull the camera. Yeah. yeah. As he's leaving the art exhibit, you close that. Maybe he takes off his little night uniform because it's soaked in blood, and you know leaves it by the and door. And people walk by and they're like, "Oh, this is brilliant art too." Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like Some, they're still just idiots. Uh, uh, yeah. The, it, it, it was definitely attacking the art scene and taking yourself too seriously, which makes the ending brilliant because it doesn't take itself too seriously. You, figure, you see how we're in this quadrum here? Yeah. Where it's, <laughs> it's like, that was a dumb way to end it. And it's like, well, that's a pretentious thing for me to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Who is he attacking? Is it... Is it is it artists who take themselves too seriously? Is it audiences who take themselves too seriously? Is it both. actors that take themselves too seriously? I, Writers, directors, special effects people? Was he just? Was this his "fuck all of you, I'm done" rookie intro? <laughs> so this is my first one. Fuck everybody here. I'm doing something different, which I can respect. Or was it unintentional and thus? not funny I, I think to some extent it had to be intentional because I definitely have met multiple multiple people like that I'm sure you have too I think mm -hmm. anyone ever who goes to yeah. school and studies a specific art form whether it's painting or when film I made a or writer writing, when I made a writer above 30 and they're like yeah no I learned how to write and this is my fantasy novel it's an offshoot of Dungeons and Dragons I want to hit them in the head with well, an not iron even that. not even that like <laughs> Like, I have been to several classes while I was in college, especially, like, my film studies class where we're talking about movies, and people are like, I've seen that movie and every movie made by yeah, that director. Yeah. If you listen you know, to this show, I've apparently only seen five films. <laughs> I've so, read ten books. <laughs> I think, to some extent, it had to be intentional because yeah. those people are real. Those people exist, and if you go to school to study your craft, you meet those people every day. Every day. <laughs> From the earliest level. I've read Hamlet. We're all really proud of you yeah. right now. You're going to read it four more times. Yeah. People who were like, literally, first day of class, never picked up a camera. Well, I'm a director. It's like, really, what have you directed? <laughs> I fucked my cousin on camera once. Oh. Yeah. That's... We got college degrees in Tennessee. <laughs> I didn't literally fuck my cousin. Definitely not on camera. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got more points. We did we did we I hit them out? We burned through mine. I don't know what you have on your. Uh, I think I covered. Oh, we didn't talk about this, but I just to kind of double back on um, 
how much heart went into this movie. The dude who, our main character, who wears the night costume was credited as a costumer because he apparently made the night costume himself. That's awesome. Um, and it was supposed to be the knight from Monty Python, and Sir Lancelot was also played by Monty Python. <laughs> that was a piece of trivia I read today. Um, and several of the actors are credited as producers on this, so there are a lot of people on this movie who played multiple roles. I'm assuming the people that were credited as producers probably put in their own money as well, mm-hmm. so I'm assuming several of the actors in this movie as well as our that director. That would make sense as to how they got to 190 a lot more yeah. on job. And yeah. Usually producers put in some of the funding, yeah. so I'm assuming the people that were credited as producers probably helped fund this as well, so it's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and it, I guess, eventually paid off. They have a 100% critic score. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd love to talk to the Lab of Madness. What do you think the chances are that we get them before we get Tommy Wiseau? Probably a little higher, just because Tommy's a little more well-known. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do our best shot. Let, what, mission this week. We send a message out to Jeremy, and we see if we can't get a hold of him. If we can't, then we're going to go one by one on this cast. I'd love to talk to Macon Blair. Apparently, he's done a couple of things now, and uh, it'd be fun to get an idea of what it was when it was hopeless and it was expensive, and this is your one shot, kid. And then they all found out it wasn't their only shot. But they poured their fucking soul into it, and this built them. These are their bones. I can't imagine having 190000 much less having 190000 extra that you can throw into a project. Can, can you imagine the kind of film we would make for $1,900? Yeah. I'd probably waste it all on more gear. I'd probably <laughs> waste it on a cheap car and explosives so I could legally blow up a car. But in the meantime... You guys can, right now, if things turn out the way that they should, go watch Brainstorm at... Uh, it'll be on the website at thenightmarebox.blog, as well as on YouTube, um, youtube.com slash nightmareboxproductions. Or you can go on over there to the Instagram, where I believe we're going to have a poster for that posted up at... I think it's on there already. It um, might be on there already. <laughs> it's it's uh, definitely on there by now. <laughs> at Nightmare Box Productions. Or you can go over to Twitter, where we uh, we, we suffer on a, on a weekly basis to try to figure out what the fuck we're supposed to do with that platform. <laughs> at Nightmare Box Pro. Or Facebook, that we're both familiar with and still don't put in half the effort that we need to. I'm pretty we're sure not I do social. all the you, you do all of it. I do you do all, all of it, because I don't understand any of it. And <laughs> so that is Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. Or you can go back on over to the website you can figure out um that we've got some scripts for these especially the brainstorm script that'll be up that i've got to figure out to post that soon um you can also find the scripts for the dolls um happy birthday you'll be able to see some behind the scenes stuff which i'm really excited for and uh, at the end of the year we plan to do a deleted scenes compilation of some design depending on how generous i'm feeling depending on how generous Kristen's feeling (laughs) um is that it love uh the email email at uh nightmareboxproductions at gmail and if you guys have literally anything uh it's the deadest email thing that's ever been established i get more spam than messages from you guys yeah it's it's mainly just porn 
Um, not so, good for. No, it's people <laughs> telling me my website sucks and they want to help me promote it. Oh, is so, that is that all it is? It's, it's people being like, oh, I see you're not the number one Google search. I can help you with that. I'm like, you can fuck off. <laughs> yeah, you can eat a thousand dicks. So uh, help me out, guys. I need so, something yeah, more. No, shoot us content things. If there's a film you want us to watch or if there's an interesting idea that you want us to discuss on a Saturday if you episode. disagree with our opinions of any of these two-star movies. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll open the fucking floor. We'll do a whole extra a half hour on the back end if you guys just want to reach out and talk to us reach out and touch me i mean faith um <laughs> but is that all of them yeah all right i love you sweetheart you excited for some ribs and cornbread I am. ribs and cornbread <laughs> you southern boy yeah <laughs> you fuck chickens you hear uh, him boss he's calling me a chicken fucker not lately, no. Not lately. Eh, it's hard. Who <laughs> wants cock anyhow? All right. <laughs> I love you, sweetheart. Love you. And I love you guys. And we'll talk to you on Saturday. What song should we sing? Uh, I got nothing. We live in a yellow submarine. A yellow submarine. A yellow submarine.